Welcome to the Keeping Things Alive podcast out of Buffalo, New York. My name is Laura Evans, and I'm the author of Silent Seasons, Chasing Sustainability Through the Law. I'm also a natural resources planner, an active environmental lawyer, animal lover, and gardener. John Washington co-creates the podcast with me. John is an organizer, political trainer and educator, and Afrofuturist. The Keeping Things Alive podcast is here to explore the opportunities and challenges as we all live together on this beautiful, harsh, and interconnected planet Earth. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Keeping Things Alive podcast. I'm here with John Washington. Hi, John. Hi, Laura. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Author Evans? (laughs) I, yep, I'm good. I'm excited and grateful that Silent Seasons is out in print now. And yeah, it was launch week last week, and now it's turning into yeah launch month and just continuing on with uh, sharing the book with a lot of people. So yeah, I feel good. Um, and yeah, today, well, just this past week, so four days ago, I was on Conversations with Jim Anderson, uh, his radio show. And can you tell us a little bit about that radio station? Sure. Um, WUFO 1080 AM uh, recently got an FM station, uh, first black-owned FM radio station, uh, Power 96.5. And, uh, you know, Jim has a really powerful space and great time slot on Monday mornings. Uh, really has a lot of amazing listeners. I've been on the show several times. Um, and it's always really cool to hear the conversation and the loyalty of his listeners who are also uh, a lot of really powerful leaders across all cultures, but particularly powerful black leaders who listen to call into the show. Um, and I feel like the show has probably less listeners than a lot of shows in this city, but the, it's listeners like are like movers and shakers and like it's really a meaningful place to be able to share your book. Yeah, I'm really grateful for it. What have you talked to Jim about on his radio show? Um, We've talked about Wakanda Alliance. We've talked about different campaigns, uh, housing, tenants' rights issues. um, Did a lot of promotion of New York Renews and the CLCPA. And and I think also just some just general conversations he's had me on just to like, just to talk more, less with an agenda and more more generally. Mm. Um, And I think the way that he holds space, um, the people he involves, and just, just Jim, he really is just like a walking like history of the movements that he's been involved with and, and of the places that he's been, Buffalo being the place he's, he's been for the past, you know, 20 or so years. So I think that, um, you know, it really does help to get interviewed by someone who has so much context and like breadth of knowledge. Yeah, I agree. I I have been on his radio show in the past, but it's been a number of years. It's been since, I think, 2017. And I did talk to, I did a two-part interview about environmental law. The first part was the problems, and then the second part was the solutions. And it's, yeah, come full circle for me now in 2022 to be doing a two-part interview. Um, This past interview that we're about to share, and I did this week, was about the emotions around the book, what the book is, the process that it took for me to write it, what I hope out of it, um, you know, future writing projects. And then this coming uh, interview, which I'm still yeah, getting prepared for, is to really dig into the environmental law pieces of the book, in particular, chapter three, which summarizes environmental law. And yeah, I can't, I can't wait for that. And yeah, just Jim has 
since I've moved back here in 2015, I think I met him in December 2015 at a Paris climate. Uh, it was, yeah, some big conference. And we both got, I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but we both were having um, people take ribbons and put them on a tree. And so that was like our project. And that's how I met him. And yeah, he's been on the podcast a couple of times. And I, yeah, I've been on his radio show, but it's been a while. So it was, it was fun to be there again. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you have anything else that you want to share? Uh, I'll just say listen out for Eva Doyle calling in and I think it's like really powerful. I uh, hope that you follow up with her and I'm sure she'll be listening again on Monday. And then I would just say to your listeners, who I think you have a lot of loyal listeners, if there are other podcasts, radio shows or things that you think align with Laura's values in the book. Uh, yeah, feel free to go on keepingthingsalive.org um, and suggest or even try to help make some connections because I do really believe in this book because of what's in it, but also people need to know. And one of the great ways to promote it uh, is by people like Jim and even the people who are listening now, um, you know, connecting Laura and the book with the places that you uh, get information like it. So big push for that and uh, enjoy. Yeah. Thanks, John. I appreciate that. I That did remind me that I am I was interviewed by the former lawyer podcast a couple weeks ago and that should be coming out soon so yeah the more connections I can make with different podcasts the better um all right well that's it for today and please enjoy this interview between me and Jim Anderson and then yeah stay tuned for the follow-up uh we'll turn the next one into a podcast episode and you could also hear it live um on 96.5 um, if you're in Buffalo on mon- this Monday at 10 a.m. So, yeah, thanks and enjoy. Great show. And I'm excited. This is going to be a two-parter. Uh, uh, next week we're going to be going deeper into the subject matter that my guest is going to be speaking. I should say subjects because uh, they are that qualified to do so. Ain't no telling where we will land uh, when we take off, ain't no time where we will fly. But it's all good. Uh, you can join us at 837-1112. That's 716-837-1112, and you can join the conversation with us. Um, please stay on topic. And the topic today is going to be dealing with uh, not only all things, a whole lot of things, environmental and none other than my guest, which is Laura Evans, who is a, boom, a newly published author. She's an activist, and she is an environmental attorney, and she is a friend. And I want to tell you, I'm excited because her new book, Silent Seasons, um, man, I, look, you, look, I, I, only thing I push on air I like to think of something good, and I know this is good in the book Silent, Se- Silent Seasons by Laura Evans. Uh, you got to get it. You just got to get it. You know, we're in a key moment of doing around climate concerns. You need only look at the weather that has been happening around the country. And um, indeed, you know, this is a troubling situation for the world, and everybody's trying to address it. The beauty of the book, I'm giving you a little insider, what I know. The beauty of the book, not only is it readable, 
but it's the kind of book you sit down with and you really get cozy because the different chapters, I mean, frame the subject of those chapters in a way that is like you, you will really enjoy it. And, I, I'm, and I'm not saying this, you know, to, to, uh, <laughs> uh, to just ingratiate her, but I want to tell you, in her chapter where she talks of, about the variant environmental law gateways, you know, those offices, those entities who are supposed to address our concerns around uh, climate. It's like going to law school, y'all. When you read that chapter, you're going to get a lot of insight, more than you've already known, about the way some of the uh, systems that are in place that are supposed to address our concerns, how they operate, and you'll learn how to negotiate them. But with that said, let me shut up. Uh, and with no further ado, let me just welcome my guest, Laura Evans. Laura, welcome. Thanks, Jim. It's really, yeah, it's good to be here. It's been a couple of years. Yeah. yeah I'm glad Yeah, to be here. it really has. Yeah. You're not been underground writing this book all that time. Basically, yeah. Oh, basically, <laughs> huh? You know what? Well, I think I'll start there. You know, writing a book is a really a big accomplishment. And writing a book as serious as this and and doing it in a way that makes it so tasteful. I mean, it, I'm telling you, it is not only enjoyable, but it's very educational. And I'm already enriched by it. Thank you. And so don't mind me bragging about it. It's that good. Thanks. When you started out to think about writing a book, I mean, how long had this been in your mind? That When you did, you kind of begin to conceive yourself doing so? Um, this book's been in my head for years. I spent the past year writing it and putting it together like for real, but I would say a year before that I had outlined some version of like explaining environmental law through my life. Mm -hmm. And then even like 10 years before, maybe not 10 years, like eight years before that, I had written my sister a series of letters mm -hmm. like explaining different parts of my life and how they were um, connected to sustainability and environmental law and what I'd learned. So I think this whole idea has been in my mind for a long time. But yeah, just this past year is when I really buckled down and did it. Mm. You know, um, the book kind of gives your awakening <laughs> to, <Yeah>. to changes. <laughs> no. And um, your, your relationship to knowing things about the environment, it, was that something instilled at home, or how did you just get into that? Yeah, for sure. I, um, I sort of, I start the book in my childhood, chapter one, and I talk about how I think, yeah, when I was little, my, my mom kept a journal, and my first prayer was to, like, bless the <laughs> snakes and the flowers and the birds. So I've really, I've been, like, a nature person as long as I can remember. Um, and then environmental law and environmental policy happened when I was about 19 years old. I took a college field trip to Washington, D.C., and I, um, I met up with, like, there was a panel of environmental lawyers on there. Some of them worked for an organization called Earth Justice. And I'd already been studying natural resources, but then I really wanted to um, go to law school and practice environmental law at that point. Hmm. Anybody else in your family into 
things that are related to the environment? Uh, my mom gardens like crazy. She's always she's outside. She's always telling me to go outside. And then the other thing that I talked about with my father, this he's an outdoors person too. He likes to go out in the woods. He hunts fishes and just generally outside all the time. But he's a swim coach, and so he taught me how to swim. And I was, yeah, always outside. Uh, he lifeguarded at Evangola State Park, so I visited Lake Erie all the time as a kid. And um, just being in and around water all the time really exposed me to a lot of nature, environment. I grew up, I talk about this, I love dogs. I grew up with dogs. <laughs> um, in fifth grade, my dog had puppies. So I think I've always been really connected to um, animals, outside, nature, and that's just stuck with me my whole life. You know, um, your book uh, is a no-nonsense book. I mean, when it comes to... <laughs> telling it like it is from your experiences. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even around the various aspects of law school. Right. Um, um, which is, I, I want you to know, it is quite refreshing. Uh -huh. um, you just keep it real. And yeah. uh, kind of like that podcast you right. have. <laughs> right, yeah. And I talk about that in the book, too. I started the Keeping Things Alive podcast, which you've been on multiple times in 2017 so yeah that that's still going too yeah and 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 your book it is in that flavor of keeping things alive so when you talk mm -hmm. about the legal aspects mm -hmm. um you frame the law in a way that i look i grew by volumes in understanding it was so clear what you had written mm -hmm. and i'm like I haven't seen it anywhere, but I, I su suspect that's from the spirit of yourself in, in this book. I know you put a lot of love in this book. Yeah, I, I started off the book telling the story of when I discovered that Santa Claus wasn't real and how upset I was as a kid. And I sort of draw parallels to going to law school because I thought I could help the environment um, and, you know, just being very naive about that. And then as I've been going, yeah, went to law school, practiced law in various different positions, um, I realized it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And all of my, like, faith in using it to address, like, these monumental problems that we have, I just, I really don't believe in it anymore. And so, but in order to make those statements and explain all of that, I needed to also explain like how they're set up and what they are actually doing on the ground. Well, I certainly applaud you because uh, it is in that legal arena on so many fronts that we need folks who, who know the system and who help people to know how the system operates and how to navigate it. And uh, you really should be applauded on that because, um, look, um, you don't find many folks with your skills who are activists. Right. They, may become, they may become authors, but I bear witness to your work. Uh, it has been both in the love for people and planet. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, so we, we need that. I, I got, I'm gonna jump to one other thing. I'm I'm floating around on this, but uh, is there a second book in mind already yet? You know, I've been 
pretty tired. Yes, there definitely is. And as I was writing this book, um, I had to constantly move topics to the side that were Mm -hmm. just too much to talk about. And I think the two big ones are the Keeping Things Alive podcast and all the things that I've learned and grown and the people I've talked to from that. And then also animals. I I do talk about growing up with dogs and um, practicing the Endangered Species Act, but Animals have been a huge part of my life, and I just want to tell more stories about that. You know, I've, I've witnessed incredible things with them and just have a lot of thoughts. So those are the two in the back of my mind. And, yeah, I need to start getting up early again and, and writing. That's, that was how I got this one done. So, yeah. Wow. You know, speaking of getting up early and writing, you know, when we, we've seen different views of people who are writers Mm-hmm. And you see them like they go somewhere in the mountains or on the beach, mm-hmm. um, or they'll write a little bit. They ha- Did you have a particular methodology on when you would write and a particular time of day? Yeah, I really can't write at night. I think <laughs> yeah, once I'm and I uh, like I was yeah I'm working full time the whole time while I'm writing this book so. I had to get up early to do it. And that was definitely, that's the best time of the day for me. As soon as I wake up, I have a million thoughts racing through my head. And I'm the most real um, and honest. And so I was able to use sort of, yeah, this period of time, like right after I had been sleeping for, yeah, about an hour or two every day to just really like write things out. Um, There were times, though, where big deadlines came up. I remember March 4th was when my first draft was due, and so I I was in the Bronx um, at the time, and I was at a hotel room with my partner, and so he, like, had other work to do, and I just stayed in the hotel room and, like, cranked it out as much as I could. And then the other big deadline I had was early July, all the revisions were due, and this was the strangest thing I did, but I got on the Amtrak, uh, the train in Buffalo, <laughs> and I bought a ticket to Amsterdam, New York. Mm. So I was on the train for about three and a half hours, mm. got off, sat there for an hour, and then caught the train back home. And <laughs> that, yeah, be, not being able to get up to, like, do anything at my house, um, just having to sit there and focus and that forward momentum <laughs> helped me finish. That's a neat, a unique approach. And um, yeah. wow. So did you also do scraps of paper <laughs> in my mind? You know, right. like, oh, I got it. <laughs> well, the, so I, the way that I did this book also was through a book program called Book Creators, and it's out of Georgetown University. So I highly recommend checking out that program if you're interested in writing a book um, because they give you a lot of guidance, and then you're paired up with a development el- editor who helps you make um, the story. But oh, I'm blanking on what you asked me. <laughs> Wait, mm. say that question again. So, um, like, I mean, the the, the writing... Uh, uh, this uh, this book, the, mm. the the scripts of paper. I imagine oh, you right. know, writing yeah, it down. Right. And okay, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, having so, papers to pull. Right. So for this um, for this program, the very first month was just brainstorming and writing snippets. So a snippet is about a paragraph, and it's really like an interesting fact, an interesting story, an interesting anecdote, and then just, yeah, getting these little snippets. So, yeah, on a piece of paper. I I started to text on my phone a little bit more. I'm usually not that good at that, but I I did have, like, a a notepad (laughs) open on, you know, notes on my phone and typing it in. Like, like, 
did the chapters chapters come neatly in order one two three or like no. chapter one and the chapter six and <laughs> no and then the book's organized so that you know towards the second half of the book it summarizes an environmental law to begin with and then it goes into the story so just developing all of that took it took time. I, I had an outline of it eventually, but it was meeting weekly with my development editor and just kind of, yeah, cutting through the stuff. She was basically like, if it doesn't have to do with you and sustainability, it doesn't belong in the book. And, you know, there are a lot of times when I wanted to, yeah, just write about other things that were happening to me or, yeah, other mm. events and characters. And she was just like, no. And so it really helped me with focus. Well, you share quite a lot in that book. Of right. You, you really have to get it. I, I, I think, you know, it is a, it is a vivid, just, it, for me, it's a masterpiece having seen you in different venues to see you articulate and writing in a way that I found healthy, mm. authentic, uh, uh, a living testimony to what went down, mm-hmm. and um, I just in kind. I didn't. I didn't. You know, I didn't pick up this. I'm mad at everybody forever or something. I picked up this real desire to, to encourage people to know and to start doing something and providing, and here's how, when mm-hmm. you, you know, cause one of the things that is so terrible, we hear all over the country, even here in this area, you go into various legal entities around environmental concerns and you can get the run around or the, they sit on it forever till they never get to it. Right. And um, so, I mean, your book is empowering. Thank you. I don't know if you know how, well, I'm going to say I don't know if you know how good it really is, but I hope you do. I hope you, I hope that you feel the juice of what you produce, man. Well, the one thing I can tell is that I I did send it to a, a fair number of early readers, and I can tell that it has had an impact on them. So that that feels really uh, great. Um, that I, I definitely did make that kind of impact. And there a phrase that when you're just talking about, I think clarity is kindness. And so I really tried to be accessible and clear about what's going on and what I saw before, because yeah, there is so much hype, runarounds, propaganda, advertisements. Like people are always trying to like you know, get you to believe something, but I really am just trying to explain what I've seen and what I've learned. And um, the other thing is like environmental law and even climate change and environmental stuff, it's it's pretty lonely. Um, You know, the day-to-day issues that people face are Mm. just more pressing. And so, you know, I do this work, uh, at least a version of this work, I'm a planner during the day, Um, but it does get very lonely because not that many people know this information. So in a way, like this is also a, almost a way that I can talk to more people about mm. what I know. Because mm. um, I, I do want to have these conversations and I do want to share information. But if nobody knows what I'm talking about, and I even say this in the book, um, I, you know, I went to law school with 400 people, but only five of them were interested in environmental law. So this is even a small niche, like for the all lawyers. And I've, I've been finding a lot of lawyers that don't know about environmental law and Mm. here, especially and in other parts of the country. So it is really good to have this uh, common way to talk. 
You ain't kidding. You know, because a lot of people don't know that there's a law for that certain environmental <laughs> thing. Listen, we got a call, and we'll get back to the conversation, and we'll take this call. Caller, you're on the air. Welcome. Yes, sir. I tuned in a little late. I wonder if you can remind us of the name of the author, the title of the book, the subject matter, and where it's available. And I think it's key that you have this environmental lawyer on on Indigenous Peoples Day because they're the first guardians or we are the first yes. guardians of this planet. <clears throat> and I just want to make one last comment, and that's we too are indigenous to the Americas, North, South, and Central America. Mm-hmm. So when you think of Indigenous Peoples Day, look in the mirror too. Yes, indeed. Thank you for sharing that. And um, can you, yeah, share with um, um, the audience on where they can get the book. Um, and if they're interested in having you come and do a talk to their group, you know, how to how to contact you. Okay, yeah. Uh, thanks for your question. So the book's full title is Silent Seasons, Chasing Sustainability Through the Law. But the real, yeah, Silent Seasons by Laura Evans. And it's on Amazon for sure, and then it's also connected to pretty much any independent bookstore through a company called Ingram Spark. So you can call up Talking Leaves and say that you want to order the book, and then you can pick it up in the store. I have a website, uh, keepingthingsalive.org, and there's a page there for the book with a lot of information there too. Again, and by the way, you know, quite oh, honest, that's sorry. That's where you can contact well, me. Is the the website has a contact form as well. Oh, good. The other thing I would say, uh, go to any bookstore you like mm-hmm. and ask for the book. Uh, mm-hmm. They can always order it. The book is Silent Seasons by Laura Evans, and I, I guarantee you, you get the book. And then you tell me whether everything I've been saying about the book and the author, you, you tell me it's validity. And you tell me whether or not it enriched you, um, particularly on those aspects of, of law. I'm, I'm telling you, I felt like I went on a crash course to law school. Um, man, you know, what's that um, uh, fairy tale person that said? Just right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was, it was just right. Mm. Um, and especially in this moment where there's so much activism around climate. Uh, some are going the wrong way. They're climate deniers. But the thing we need to understand, not only climate itself uh, needs to be our concern, but those who we elect into office need to be our con- concern because they're a key connection to the climate. When we look and see that we don't have policies that serve the healthy interests of people and planet, I mean, we got to do something. We got we to put something in place. But to put it in place, you got to understand what's the length and breadth and the height and depth of what you can do legally on different levels. And on different levels, who's responsible for what? Mm-hmm. The role of the feds versus the role of the local versus the role of the state. Yeah. And when are they really in concert? I mean, if if there's <laughs> a, a policy that is good for people and planet and they're not in step with each other, we got to do something. We got to get that alignment. Anyway, you feel me? Um, 
I'm telling you, you read this book, Silent Seasons, it will melt your heart. Because i tell you something else, Laura. There was something that struck me, and, and it was like actually in the first chapter when you talk about your awakening as a young person. But for many of us, when it comes to an environment, we think those things are above our heads. That's not a conversation for us. If you're a weather person, if you're a mm. weather man, oh, yeah, or a weather woman, uh, yeah, maybe you'll be talking about it. Right. But other than that, everyday people, what does it matter? Yeah, I mean, I think that beca- that's becoming, that's still a question, but I think more and more people are seeing their impa- the impacts, like with all of the, the weather, what just happened with Hurricane Ian in Florida. When I was writing this, it was when there were a ton of storms in Kentucky and a bunch of, you know, a lot of tornadoes were happening. And so I think, um, yeah, which it's uh, the pandemic pause chapter mm. of this book. Um, I talk about when I, I don't work at all. And so instead of summarizing a environmental law, I write up the recipe for chicken noodle soup. And I talk about gardening and cooking and even playing video games and taking rest um, and sleeping well. Because even though I guess I've been really struggling even with saying, like, climate change is definitely an issue, but that's more of the um, effect of, like, industrialization and the use of fossil fuels. And so that's really, like, where my beef is. And then also just thinking about sustainability um, from, and I do give, you know, I I do acknowledge that most of the... um, the way that I come about this is from more of an indigenous perspective and looking at sustainability from out like seven generations and working with the earth systems instead of against them. And yeah. (laughs) You know, just in your conversation alone, you can hear your care Mm -hmm. for the planet and for people. And the book, yet again, I have to say it is another testament to that. It's, it's as if, you know, because as an environmental attorney, hey, look, you're talking about a lucrative position that that has a, for those that want to stay in it, and I won't, I won't put nobody down, keep your head low, don't, don't see too much and don't say too much, you can make a good living. Yeah, for sure. My, yeah. My law firm job, I, I did um, have a really good salary and benefits. And, yeah, there's definitely, like, things that you have to give up um, to not do that anymore. But, yeah, I I have really struggled with finding an environmental law job that is actually sustainable. I mean, usually – and that is, a you know, when you go to a lot of the positions that help the environment, they're pretty much all volunteer. <laughs> yeah. And your situation is much of what many people face is that – uh, unfortunately, when we look around and see the absence of, of so much healthy, good policy, mm-hmm. the next thing to do is to look to see wh- where's the glitch, where's the hold-up, where's the blockage. And um, many of those institutions that are able to block mm-hmm. uh, are in a wealthy position. we got to go to a break, and we'll come back and say more. Uh, Listen to stay with us. 716-837-1112 for you to join the conversation. Rebellion, it is how we save the world. Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, there are ways we can save the world, but you can't do what you don't know. And one way to get to know something is get the book, Silent Seasons. 
by Laura Evans. Uh, I'm telling you, it'll give you some deep insight. Look, I'm just saying I've been on the planet a little bit, a little while, um, and I'm telling you, it, it really is eye-opening and empowering. Um, but let me do this. I, we got a caller on the line, and so we'll go right to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. Welcome. Yes. Good morning, uh, Mr. Anderson. Hello, Dr. Doyle. How how are you? I'm enjoying the conversation. I wanted to congratulate Miss Evans on her book, mm. and um, and as a um, published author myself, mm. I really appreciate her giving the comments on um, how she wrote the book and uh, the things that she she uses because I I don't think people realize that writers. Uh, all have different ways of approaching a book. And so I appreciate that very much. I'm interested in getting uh, your book, Miss Evans. I write for a local newspaper, and I often do reviews mm. of, of books. So I just wanted to c- call in and congratulate her on her book. Thank you for your program. And thank you, Dr. Owen. I'm going to make sure I put you two in touch with each other, too. Um, That'll be good. Dr. Thank Doyle, you very much. Thank you again. Dr. Doyle um, is vast, a vast educator on multiple subjects. Her column, Eye on History, which is in the Challenger newspaper, the oldest black paper in western New York, and certainly, I would say, contending among the nation to be one of the oldest. Um, but her writings, I, I mean, they're so intersectional, so diverse. And I don't think I could ever have someone on this program that Dr. Doyle hasn't somehow approached their topic in some way. So uh, I'm, I'm always pleased when she calls in. And, um, there's something particular I wanted to say about um, that I always smile at. Back doing Y2K. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, she was one of the frontline persons talking about the need to be prepared. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about environmental struggles, we have to think about we the people have to learn how to be prepared even in the midst of it. Right. And um, so, man, just, just a good intersectional moment there. Yeah. And speaking of intersectional, I want to have you talk about um, sustainability because it's something we hear uh, espoused um, uh, not only in the streets and the halls of government and um, people hear about sustainability, but they need to have a fluid, real understanding that fits into the moment we're in. So I'm wondering from your perspective, when you say sustainability, can you give us some reflections of what that? Yeah, I just opened my book to page 17 because that's where I define it. And that's something that I actually wrote later, like in the draft of the book. I had written all this stuff and then I realized I never even said what I thought sustainability was. So I'm just going to read it from here. It's the practice of working with the Earth's systems, physics, people, plants, animals, information, technology, and all other resources to support life on this Earth for current and future generations of people, plants, animals, and the Earth itself. So you're right, there are like so many different definitions of sustainability, and there's even 
it's kind of a corporate term at this point. You know, they like do. There's a chief sustainability officer at a lot of corporations. Then on the government side, there's offices of sustainability. So generally, I think it means like you know cleaning up the environment and trying to you know keep things going from an environmental side. But I really do think it's about working with the earth and then all of the resources that we have like in our own minds and then in our own technology to yeah preserve this place. For the future. Your view expresses of in, an, an inclusiveness that is so necessary and mm -hmm. really connects to something our first caller mentioned about Indigenous People Day. Right. Because um, people forget that we're actually on unceded land, mm -hmm. seized land, already occupied land mm -hmm. by the Indigenous people who were here before their many of us arrive. Right. And we sometimes go about it as if they didn't exist and don't exist. Mm -hmm. And we need to acknowledge that, you know, um, that land on which we stand. And then we also need to acknowledge that long history of indigenous people who are caring and taking care of the land. Uh, it, it, there's a, the, not the semblance, the actuality of indigenous people all across the world mm -hmm. have this care factor about mm -hmm. the planet and the people mm -hmm. in, in such a way we in modern time could learn a whole lot. Yeah, um, I think it has to do a lot with, like, we just see ourselves as separate from nature and indigenous practices are, like, the people are a part of nature and so yeah they're taking care of it and they're it's also taking care of them and um, a lot of you know there's been a lot of different tribes and groups that have you know evolved over thousands of years but ultimately they were able to like be stewards of this place and now in just a couple hundred years we're mm. looking at the edge of things and you know so many people are are sick. Um, that's a big part. That's something that really impacted me from when I started doing environmental law and thinking it was all about water and air and those things to really being about people and public health and yeah, different rates of illness that are around factories and then yeah, the intersectionality of it you're talking about. Um, generally poor people and people of color are located near more pollution and so we look at all of the issues that are facing our society today and there's always this like low level, what I call like slow violence. I mean, I took that from a book, um, but it really does cover what happens to people like in environmental pollution mm -hmm. issues. A question came in wanting to know if your book is available in the library and not yet. I need to work with the library to get it there, but it is on my on my list of people to talk to. But yeah, the um, the library subscribes to an ebook network that I know Silent Seasons is a part of, and so now I have to yeah. If anyone wants to ask the library to carry my book, they they can. Yeah, <laughs> folks. That, you know we can be proactive about this. Um, mm -hmm. Wherever books are sold, mm -hmm. when you yeah. go in there, you ask for Silent Seasons by Laura Evans, uh, that's one way to, you know, to hip them. <laughs> Sometimes they're not always up to speed on what's out and what's happening. Right. And being that this is a Buffalo author, uh, you know, hey, your chances of getting it, your copy autograph, mm -hmm. I'm just saying, you know, because yeah. she is around town. Yeah. Um, and it's available, you know, like check out her website. Let me, oh, let me. Let me, I, there's a question I do, I want to ask you. Okay. 
is a family question. Okay. Um, how has your family reacted to your now being a published author? Are there other authors in the family? My aunt has published a book, um, a children's book about dance. Um, but yeah, I'm the first, uh, yeah, I guess, nonfiction author in my family. Yeah. Um, they have reacted really well. Um, I'm really really happy about it because I know that they've always thought that I've been a little like they're just not sure what I've been up to with my life and it they're both retired teachers and so it you know not a law background and it has been really hard to explain I've I've definitely gifted them some books like that I was hoping would explain why I'm so concerned about environmental degradation and climate change and other issues um but yeah, they both. My dad is the only one who I actually interviewed for the book, um, talking about his background as a swim coach and discovering this form of swimming called total immersion swimming, um, which is all about. It really is like sustainable swimming. You know, trying to be as efficient in the water as possible so that you can enjoy it and then actually swim faster um, when you're working with the water. And so that was a big part of my life. So I think. You know, he's a little nervous about being in the book, but also proud of me. And then my mom is the real, like, nature lover of the family and gardener and all of that. And I know that the book has had a really big impact on her. She spoke at the launch party, um, the virtual one last week. And, yeah, I think it. I can just tell that the way that, yeah, people have been talking to me, they, they understand what I've been doing all these years. Ah, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's worth the investment. Now they say, yeah. oh, man, I was wondering. Right. Where well, I'm... <laughs> yeah, my sister's a teacher and my brother's in the Coast Guard, and, like, those mm -hmm. are occupations that they can understand. But for me, and I have, like, gone from job to job and trying to find the right fit, and which I talk about a lot in the book. So, awesome. yeah, I think there is a lot of um, full circle, like, aha moments for my family. Yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you, folks, I may get her to, to to give you a sneak preview of one that I really not, maybe not. No, you got to tune in next week because yeah, there is yeah. a part <laughs> two, I'm telling you. Oh, but let me ask you this because there was an additional question about the availability of your books, and this one is about within the school systems. Right. Yeah. Um, that's another one where it's very similar to the libraries and it's there's a distributor called Ingram Spark. So it's all about me uh, getting yeah, organizing all of that. All which right. is, Anybody that's a teacher yeah. or a student or a parent yeah. at your school, you when you go in you, you you tell them, Hey look, that library needs to get a copy several copies of Silent Seasons. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm, one of the reasons I'm pushing this is because we're right in the heart of the struggle around climate. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things, you know, recently we just got through hearing, having hearings here in New York mm -hmm. uh, about the Climate Leadership C Community Protection Act right. and more. Mm -hmm. And in those hearings, while the people were calling for the uh, establishment of not only the funds needed to ensure communities would have protection, you had gas companies in there. And of course they were against it, but they, you know what they spoke mostly to? Mm -hmm. They were encouraging the state to develop nuclear power. Right. And what many people understand, nuclear power is not clean, renewable energy. Right. And nuclear power in many ways is uh, um, embraced 
without understanding that it is a dangerous power and that is not where we need to be putting more investment in. It's too costly and it's too dangerous. But I raise it because your book speaks to, in this moment, to a need that is here for people to understand where the struggle is around this, this climate concern. Mm-hmm. As we look to, to close various gaps, meanwhile, those who fat pockets who make the money off of selling, yeah, bad energy, mm-hmm. they don't want to change. Right. And if anything, they want to okie-doke us and fool us, have us thinking about some even worse power source, mm. like nuclear power, is right. what we need. Well, I can't say it <laughs> on here, but I want to say H-E to the double L. N O, um, and you know, okay, you know, I know my community is not illiterate, so I know they got that. Anyway, I just want to put that in there. Um, and callers, there's still time for you to call in if you want to get a question in. Area code seven one six, eight three seven eleven twelve. Of course, you know I'm speaking with my guest, author, activist environmental attorney Laura Evans, uh, who just published her book. It's out now. It's called Silent Seasons. And I'm going to say you can get it anywhere you pronounce it. Because <laughs> if, yeah. if they ain't got it, they, 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 want, they want you to be that customer, they will mm-hmm. get it. And if they ain't got it, not only do they just want you to, to be the customer, but they too want to know about good writings that are out. And this is one of them. So, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just telling you. And if you got an organization, if you're doing uh, climate work, Laura would be a good person to invite. I mean, so many aspects of, of the book um, are not only empower, empowering, but I'm just telling you, the whole book is, in, is very delightful. From the very beginning. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm almost dying to leak it, y'all, but I'm not going to leak it. Well... Yeah, well, go I, ahead. D- I do want people to pick up the book for sure. And actually, I'm 30 like author copies are getting delivered at my house today. So you can contact me through the website. And I'm also going to be taking them to other local places and oh. having I think I'll be having an event at Burning Books. I'll have a specific like date and time nailed down next cool. week. Um, as well as an event with Citizen Action in November. So, yeah, things are definitely happening. And, yeah, trying to get more physical copies, like, in Buffalo, just so people can grab them. Yeah, y'all, y'all push on me, too. And I, I'll, you know, if you're ready for a book, if you can't get right away to Lori, get to me. I, <laughs> right. I, I'll, get it, I'll get it to her because, oh, man, I'm just telling you, be in. Oh. And, and the other thing is I, I do make a website. It's called the, I'm sorry, yeah, the Keeping Things Alive podcast is on my website, but I just recorded myself reading the introduction in the latest episode. So if you do want to hear the introduction, it's streaming on SoundCloud. It's available on Spotify podcasts, Apple podcasts. Um, yeah, you can go to my website and find links to it there, but you actually can listen to the full introduction, uh, episode 88. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, this is this is just I'm really enjoying this. Um is there anything that you like to bring up that um I'm sure I didn't cover here, but I won't let you get away next week with it without getting it. But is there anything um you might want to mention 
uh, here this morning? Well, I guess I just want to say that although I am very concerned about the impacts of climate change, I'm also just as concerned about like water pollution, air pollution, and hazardous chemicals. Um, in addition, so I did write this book definitely concerned about climate change, but it's really about, it's about environmental degradation, it's about pollution, and I think some of the most unsustainable things that are happening right now are every time we cut down trees, every time we build up to the edge of water, every time we try to fill in a wetland or put like a bunch of rocks on the water's edge, that's called riprap, and trying to like keep it in place and channelize water. So I guess I've been moving a lot of my attention towards um, yeah, those types of things that we're doing with our land while we're developing stuff, as opposed to these like really big picture existential, like the whole climate of the whole world. Um, I've definitely read about how if you just focused on cleaning up the water, the climate would follow, and I really am trying to keep that going wow. with this book. Well, I'm sitting here bubbling and thinking along with those things additionally you desire to do I keep going back to what I describe as a whole section on going to law school. <laughs> I think that chapter alone is worthy of its own podcast, Zoom. I mean, it is so deeply rich in talking about the entities that play a role in mm -hmm. bringing any concerns anybody would have forward. Right. And... I mean, it's wow. also very helpful um, to understand a lot of what the Supreme Court is doing with environmental laws right now. There was um, West Virginia versus EPA was a case that came out, you know, the last term. And now they're starting up a new term that's going to deal with the Clean Water Act. And so I've really found that anytime I listen to the media try to explain environmental Supreme Court cases, they always get it a little off or, you know, something, they don't fully understand it. And I think that this particular chapter, even though it's one chapter, you know, it doesn't give you everything, but I really, I spent a ton of time on that chapter to get everybody to on the same page with what environmental law actually is and a lot of the issues with it. Well, I'm just, I'm not speechless. I'm just delightfully blown away because um, your spirit eludes for me what is needed in this moment, the kind of social justice warriors who are on the front line, who are really trying to build a world that works for all of us, uh, who bring forward those things that are empowering and engaging up for all of us um, and doing it in such a gentle way. It, it don't cost anything. Uh, the knowledge you share uh, is a gift. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you've been fortunate enough to have the wherewithal to have gone to college and gone on to law school mm -hmm. and risen to the level that you are. And um, I mean, it's just marvelous. We got another caller on the line, so we'll go to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. Welcome. Yeah, two things. Great show. One, if she can mention again the name of the group that helps writers, and when I think of environmental justice or environmental debt decay, 
I think of Love Canal, mm. and I think of heavy industry like Bethlehem Steel. Mm. And that's what we have been built around in this city. But if you could mention the name of the group that helps writers again. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. That program is called Book Creators. So if you just search for Book Creators, I believe it's affiliated with Georgetown University. But yeah, it'll pop up right when you search for that. Book creators. Book creators. Georgetown University. Mm-hmm. All right. I I did want to mention one more thing, if we have time, about mm-hmm. the title. Um, it's called Silent Seasons, which is a nod to Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. And actually, that just had the 60th anniversary of its publication this past month. So, yeah, she published um, Silent, Silent Spring in um, 1962. And that was a book that really uh, took the took Housewives by storm in a lot of ways. It really um, spoke to a lot of the environmental issues that were happening. And a few, then the um, first Earth Day happened in 1970, where 20 million people were um, took to the streets all over the country. And that started all of these environmental laws that now I'm explaining. So there is a lot of like historical, like circular connection here too. Sankofa moment, y'all. Going back to come forward. And um, we'll see how the um, just terrible maze of this energy moment came to be. Mm-hmm. Bit by bit, piece by piece, money pocket by money pocket. Um, We know who the polluters and who the climate deniers are. We know what we need for our planet and people. And it's just great to have folks like yourself and others who are part of that front line, not only holding the ground, but pressing forward to a a better world for us all. Laura Evans, author, activist, and an environmental attorney, uh, author of Silent Seasons, um, available right now. Uh, Yep, Uh, um, New York Times will be smart to list it. Yep, a number one seller, number one for me, and as soon as they get hip, I'm sure they'll catch up with me. Uh, with that said, Laura, thank you for being my guest, and I'm sure the community enjoyed it. And next week, yeah, we'll uh, be back we go next deeper. Week. We're going yeah. into the pages, y'all. And, uh, right. With um, some of the things you heard me talk kind of around, uh, we're going deeper in. And yes, um, you can call in, and you'll still be able to get the book. Um, and like I said, hit me up and. Um, I'll definitely hit Laura up, and uh, we'll make it happen. Um, Laura, you got you got these last few couple of minutes. Oh, a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. I guess I can just uh, – <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say exactly, but I think towards the end um, I have a list of sustainability screening questions because I think – I guess I'll just put it to more of an individual Uh, piece to end this on. And I think a lot of these environmental issues and sustainability issues, they're big and overwhelming. And you just, you don't really know like what is sustainable, what isn't. Um, But I think that you can really like ask yourself different questions about 
Um, say someone's, you know, building a new project like near your house and you want to know if it's sustainable or not. Um, you can really look at, you know, the resources that took to make it happen. Then, you know, when this new thing is happening, um, what kind of impacts that has on the people that already live there. And then the other thing I really want to encourage people to think about is when the project is over, when you have a whole big solar farm or when you have a new building up, like how long is it going to last? And then like, what are you going to do with the waste when it's over? And no one seems to really think about that or care uh, these days. But um, when we're even looking at solar and wind and things like that, like what does it take to make that? And then what do you do when it's at its end of life? Wow. Laura Evans, author of Silent Seasons and definitely right in the mold of what we talk about here. She brings not only our vision, our truth, and she represents our power. Our means all of us. All of us, y'all. Hey, thanks for a good show today. Thanks to the callers for calling in. Thank you for listening. Be back next week. I'm talking about it's going to get sweeter and deeper. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Again, thank you, Laura. And uh, Thanks, I'll see you next week. Sounds great. Thank and you. And y'all too, yeah. Stay strong. Peace and love. I've been afraid for a long time. I know I oh. feels to be scared. <laughs> <laughs> no one it means to be there all alone in the dark with your thoughts and your fears and your prayers. But now for sure it's the wrong time to I'll be the new to your old Even in a war zone I'll be your home Even if the sky begins to fall And even if they try to build that wall And even if the bombs go off And the world is set on fire I got your back Thank you so much for listening to the Keeping Things Alive podcast. For more information, please visit www.keepingthingsalive.org.